I'm going to start in Galatians. I'm going to start in chapter 5, verse 1. I love the scripture. I'm not going to turn there because I'm going to start in Galatians. But I love the scripture in Isaiah 61 where he's talking and Jesus is actually speaking it in the New Testament when they hand him the scroll. But he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. It says that he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives. You know, the scripture says that the law actually held us because of sin. It condemned us in the sin. Jesus came to open the prison doors to them that were bound. So what were we bound by? It would have been the law. We were tied to it. We were tied to the law because that's what it says in Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I used to preach that and stop there. But the word doesn't stop there. It says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but are justified freely through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified freely through the grace of Jesus. That we have been justified. That the prison door was open because the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus. It's what he was anointed for. He was anointed to set us free. He was anointed to set us in this place of sonship that we would not be able to be moved by anything once we're seated there. That nothing in hell, that nothing in in heaven, that nothing on earth would be able to separate us from his love once we're placed there. Because nothing is strong enough to take out of his hand We came to God not because we loved him, but because he first loved us. You can't even come to God unless the Spirit of God draws you. That's what the Scripture says. That no man can come unto the Father unless the Spirit of the Father draws him. Could you boast because of your salvation? No. You can't boast in your salvation. The amazing thing is, is that if it wasn't for the Father, we wouldn't be saved. Jesus said to Peter, And the other disciples, who do men say that I am? And they responded to him, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Isaiah, some say one of the prophets. And then he said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the son of the living God. Jesus replied right away, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. That means that your revelation, Peter, that you have right now didn't start in you. It was given to you of my father. And he said, I call you Peter. And upon this, upon what? Upon the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't be able to prevail against it. Guess where he built his church? Right here on earth. (laughs) And the promise is that the gates of hell, that means all of hell won't be able to stop his church. Because it's not just His, it's filled with Him. I love it. I'm free. (laughs) I'm so free. I'm free. The spirit of freedom that is in Jesus. If I don't read it, I'm just going to go quoting it and mess it all up. So here we go. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, We have freedom now because Christ made us free. Who made us free? Christ made us free. How did we attain this freedom? (laughs) We received it. Yes. Yes, we received the freedom. 
He says, don't go back into slavery again. And when we preach slavery, most people think that that's sin. The Apostle Paul is about to tell you what will make you a slave. Don't go back into slavery again. Listen, I, Paul, tell you that if you start following the law by being circumcised, then Christ cannot help you. If you're trying to be made right with God in your flesh, he said that Christ can't even help you. They're in freedom now. They're trying to go back into the law. And the Apostle Paul says, if you do this, the help that you have been receiving because of Christ will be cut off. Why? Because God cut it off? No. Because now they're trying to work for something that was given to them. They're trying to pay for something that was already paid for. You can't pay for something that's already paid for. You can try to, but all the work that you actually add to it just diminishes it especially if it's a gift. If I bought you a gift and you tried paying me back for me giving it to you, I would be insulted because you would act like I wasn't enough because the gift came from me. And if you're not willing to receive the gift, then you're not willing to receive the giver. Why would you feel like you had to pay me back unless you felt like I wanted something from you? Like by giving you this gift, now you're indebted to me forever. That's an insult on my character. But when you receive the gift, you receive the person that gave it to you. Don't go back into slavery again. Listen, I, Paul, tell you that if you start following the law by being circumcised, then Christ cannot help you. Again, I warn everyone, if you allow yourself to be circumcised, then you must follow the whole law. If you are trying to be made right with God through the law, your life with Christ is finished. Whoa. That is some very, very, very strong language. That if you're trying to be made right by following the law, your life with Christ is finished. So how do we stand? He says, so stand strong in the freedom wherewith Christ has made you free. Does that mean you're not saved if you try to go back under the law, under your own works? I don't believe so. It says that your life with Christ is finished. That means God's ability to flow through you because of Jesus is cut off. You can't work righteousness outside of Christ. So if you're trying to work righteousness by the law, you can't be working it through Christ. Righteousness is a gift. And when we receive the gift, we receive the giver. God is the giver of everything. God by nature is a giver. God is not a taker. He's never been a taker. Religion has painted God as a taker. That God will take everything from you and not give you anything. Like all the wealth in the world was made for wicked people that the Christians shouldn't have wealth. They shouldn't desire that. When the scripture says that God created the earth for his children. Everything in the earth belongs to us. It was stolen through Satan. Satan deceived Adam into doing something that God told him not to. And in doing that, humanity became unright with God. But there was another man, and the Bible calls him the last Adam. He did everything God wanted him to do. Born into the earth, from the time he was conceived, the devil was trying to kill him. They said, we seen a star in the east. They showed up to the king, and the king said to the three wise men, when you find him, come and tell me so I can worship him too. And the Bible says that he said that because he wanted to kill Jesus. 
You think that was his own idea? That was the devil. Satan knew the scriptures. He just didn't know when it was going to happen. And when the wise men came and told him, that was the first time he found out. And the Bible says, when Herod seen that he was mocked by the wise men because the angels appeared unto the wise men and told them, don't go back there, go another way. He went and slew all the children to and under in Bethlehem. Could you imagine being a parent in that time? Having a child that's under the age of two? And because of this key of a so-called prophecy, you lose your child? Satan was trying to snuff Jesus out the whole time. He was born into a demonically influenced world, but he did something that the first Adam didn't do. He never sinned. As a man, he never sinned. Was he just man? No. Was he all man? Yeah. Was he all God? Yeah. Can you separate the two? No. Jesus forever became a man when he was born into the earth. It's the mystery of the gospel. That in order for us to be saved, Jesus would have to put on flesh. And the Father would have to say to him, once you put this on, you'll never be without this flesh again. He wasn't raised a spirit. He was raised a man. He was the first man born again from the dead. The disciples in the upper room were scared when Jesus appeared to them. And he said, fear not. They thought that they had seen a ghost. That word is spirit. And Jesus says, for a ghost or a spirit has not flesh. He told Thomas, stick your hand in my side. Put your finger in these holes. This body that was crucified for you, I wear it forever. How could the Father ever forget what Jesus did? Every time he looks at him, he sees the sacrifice. Jesus put on that body forever. The beauty of the gospel, that God would do this for us. Why? I mean, last time I preached, I read the scripture in Psalms 8, when David says, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you would even visit him. Why do you even consider us? What are we compared to you? Look at the sun, the moon, and the stars. What are we? You ever found yourself asking yourself that? Why? Why, God? He must see something in us that we don't see in ourselves. And if people knew how God seen them and the value that he placed on their life, no one would ever commit suicide. Ever. Can you commit suicide and go to heaven? I believe you can. If you believe you can't, hey, that's fine. I just say, why would you? When he paid such a high price to free you, he came to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up the brokenhearted. He came to give you beauty for ashes, the spirit of joy for the spirit of heaviness. And then it says, so that you may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Hmm, just does something to you, don't it? <laughs> that I'm clean right now by the blood of Jesus. That his blood really was enough to cleanse me. Not at one time, but for all time. That you're clean through the blood of Jesus. 
that nothing you've ever did can remove you out of this position of righteousness as a son or a daughter because you didn't earn it. And if you didn't earn it, then what in the world makes us think that it's based on us to sustain it? Well, once you're given a gift, Steve, you've got to take care of it. You've got to take care of it. If you break it, it's broke. Not if you got a warranty. <laughs> you got a warranty, you break it, you send it into the manufacturer, they pay for it to get to refix it. It's all up to them. Why? Because they designed it. They don't want you opening it. They don't want you messing with it. Because when you do that, you ruin the warranty. Because you're trying to fix it yourself. It's the same thing with the Lord. He don't want us to try to fix ourselves. The reason He placed the Holy Spirit inside her, the Holy Spirit is the best fixer-upper there ever was, there ever will be. He's a master at His craft. He takes the worst man and makes him the best. He takes the least and actually makes him educated, smart, wise, and able to speak. Amen. He gives wisdom to the simple. He gives strength to the powerless. He makes the barren woman to keep house. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> He's so good. He's the best. And the best person in all of creation, because they're all one, lives inside of you. God thinks that we are worth putting His self into. If God thinks that I'm good enough, that you're good enough to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, why would we ever say we're not? When He made us this, this is what we have been made We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We didn't work for it. You can't earn it, but you can rest in it. He is so good. He is. I'm going to pick up in verse 5. Still in Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. If you try to, to be made right with God through the law, your life with Christ is finished. You have left God's grace. I say this because of our hope of being right with God comes through faith and the spirit helps us feel sure as we wait for that hope when someone belongs to Christ Jesus it is not important if they are circumcised or not the important thing is faith the kind of faith that works through love so the apostle Paul is actually saying that when you come to Christ it's not important if someone's circumcised it has to be the internal spirit it has to be by faith. Now, what does that mean that we're justified by faith? Is it our faith that we're justified by? Because that's what I was taught. And I still don't have all of the understanding to it. But I have put hours and hours and hours and hours of studying it in because I want that understanding. I've listened to hundreds of messages on faith because I believe that faith is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us. It is. We have a natural faith. My understanding, because the Scripture says that God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. That means He's given everyone the ability to believe. But another Scripture says not all men have faith. Hold on. One just said that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Another Scripture says not all men have faith. Is that a contradiction? No. One is talking about the God-given ability to believe naturally we're born with that everybody you tell a kid that santa claus is coming at three in the morning guess what they're not going to sleep they're just waiting because they really believe santa claus is coming have they ever seen santa claus no 
They haven't. It's the natural faith. Everyone is born with a believer. We have it like inside of us, the ability to believe. From a child, we're born with that imagination that anything is possible. If it's told me, I can believe it. You lose it through manipulation because somebody manipulated you <laughs> into believing a lie. It's hindered, but we're born with that. But then there's another faith, and it's the faith of the Son of God. You did nothing to earn this faith. And that's what I was telling my cousin Jesse when I was talking to him. I said, you know how many times God stood outside of our door and knocked, and we refused to answer? Like, go away, Jesus. I don't want you right now. Go away. I want this. And here he is knocking on the door of our heart outside. Knocking. Not offended. He knocked on my door hundreds of times before I, I actually opened it. So what happened the day that we opened it? All of a sudden we had faith for something we never had before? <laughs> All of a sudden you grew some faith? <laughs> no, because the faith that he's about to give you is as soon as you open that door and he comes in, he brings his faith with you. It's the faith of the Son of God. And the Apostle Paul said that this life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Different translations have translated that of into in, and it's wrong. If you look it up in the original Greek, it's literally referring to the faith of a person, not faith in a person. So when you read it, the life that we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God. As many times as he not, each time he came with anticipation that we would open it. And you say, well, isn't God sovereign? He knew that we wouldn't open it. It doesn't mean that the opportunity doesn't have to be given. Just because God knows the end from the beginning doesn't mean that he don't have to walk out the timeline. <laughs> he still walks out the timeline. He's not missing opportunities to knock on our heart because we might not have been ready that time, but you won't forget that time. I haven't forgot any of the times the Lord came knocking on my door and I knew it was him. I hadn't forgot him. Why? Because his knock is different than any other knock. It's different. It sticks with you. And the day that I opened it up, I was at a place where I was ready. He's always ready. The moment he died with those arms wide open and said it was finished, he was ready. We're not waiting on God anymore. He's still knocking on people's hearts. He's still saying, open up and I'll come in and we can sup together. When I was uh, talking to Mark this morning, I got off the phone with him and I was sitting there and I got this picture in my mind of me coming down a long dirt road and I looked dirty. It's just a picture. I, I looked dirty. I looked weary and I looked beat up. And the father opened the door. He said, you look tired and you look weary. And I said, I am. And he said, come in, sit down and eat, and I'll talk with you. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, that road that I was traveling down, I knew I would find him there. That is the road of grace that leads to the Father because it's paved in love. And Jesus said, a broken and contrite heart will I not reject. He said, I won't reject a broken heart. I won't. He actually says, the more broken, the better. Is that weird? He's the master craftsman. 
He made us. But the thing is, is that he doesn't want us to stay broken. He pieces us together. And his glue is binding because his glue that he uses to piece our lives together, its main base is love. As he's salving the pot to put the next broken piece back on, he says, you're beautiful. You're loved. You're precious. You're adored. You're one of a kind. You're crafted in excellence. You may be broken now, but baby, nobody's going to be able to see these cracks. When I'm done, it'll hold the best water. It'll be living water. And you'll be a pot, a vessel, that somebody else will want to drink out of. That does something for me. It really does. Because I want to rest in this place. I want to live there. I want to be able to close my eyes at night and dream with God without the hindrances of circumstances or despite what I see. I want to look into the future and like Mark Brendenkamp used to say, I'm somewhere in the future and I look much better than I look right now. (laughs) I want to look with those eyes that see my father really as good as he is and to see myself as valuable as he says I am. And together we're running. And where we're running looks different from here because he brought me to this place. The scripture actually says that he calls the poor and the needy and he raises them up out of the dunghill. We went to a ministry, me and my wife one time, and they were showing all these pictures of these kids and these kids literally live in the dump in foreign countries and they scavenge for food and bottles and anything that they can collect that's valuable, all their huts. And we drove in to take something to the dump and as we drove back, we got out and the stench was so bad just because we had to go back there and drop stuff. Heather instantly broke because it became a a reality of the condition that kids are living in. And we're all God's kids. And the Father knows the reality of where we've been, but he's not trying to keep us there. He raises us up, and the scripture says, to sit us with princes, even the princes, the chief of his people. This is somebody who was in the dunghill eating trash that God wants to lift them out of there and set them as such an elevated position that they're seated next to princes even the princes of his people. And in Christ, this psalm became a possibility because you're now seated in Christ, with Christ in heavenly places. You are the least among everybody. God has called you the most important. And the Bible says that amongst women, there's none born greater than John the Baptist. And he goes on to say that He who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. And you've been placed in the kingdom of God. Amen. John the Baptist couldn't be yet. He was the picture of the end of the prophets. Amen. He was preparing the way for something else to come. And John confessed himself. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. Because this kingdom that he's going to bring in is going to be without end. 
It's going to last forever into the generations. Everything that you've ever done for the Lord is eternal. It has an eternal reward to it. It has an eternal memory in the heart of the Father and the angels that witnessed it. They will never forget. Never. And the scripture says, sing a new song unto the Lord. What does that sound like when you sing? (laughs) Does it sound like what you're looking at? Are you singing from a place that he showed you where you're somewhere in the future and you look much better than you look right now? That's faith. That's the God kind of faith that paints something so beautiful and says, I'm willing to give it to you through my son. He's the door. And the thing is, is he's not expecting you to walk through the door by yourself. He's actually saying, come on, let's go together. Amen. (laughs) God is faithful. He is. The message that I I was going to preach, I had one called the purity of grace, and I woke up this morning and it felt wrong. Not the purity of grace felt wrong, but the message felt wrong. <laughs> and I woke up singing that song, that stand by me, oh, stand by me. Except I wasn't asking anyone to stand by me. The Lord was saying, stand by me, that I am the one who can make you stand. And if I was going to entitle this message, it would be that. It's that we're standing right here, fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. We're standing by the Father. He is the one who has perfected us forever in his Son. And the faith that we need, we already have. We have it inside of us. We do because we have Jesus. Circumstances will try to dictate what and how you can believe. But circumstances don't have the right in our life to tell us you can't have that or you can't believe that. Because circumstances were looking Abraham and Sarah right in the face and said, this is an impossibility for you. Yeah, other people can have it, of course. You have a promise from God? No, you can't have that. That's foolish. Like the earth is for the wicked. I hate that. I do. I hate when I see people fighting against prosperity. I do. Like, God made all this stuff for the devil. Okay. It doesn't make no sense to me. (laughs) It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, you can only take it from somebody by force if you're stronger than them. It's true. But when you wake up to your righteousness... No devil in hell or person will be able to take anything from you because that is the place where you find true strength. Trees of righteousness planted by the Lord that he may be glorified. God's trees of righteousness are like mighty oaks. It's hard to even bend their limbs. They're steadfast. Psalms 112. For your heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Your heart is established. No, you won't be afraid till you see your desire fulfilled upon your enemies. I want to say something because I think it's so important because I realize that a lot of us, even myself included, we haven't really been taught how to pray. We're taught like, well, when you pray, just say whatever is on your heart. And God honors those prayers, absolutely. 
But most of the time we pray with this mind state like we're praying to God. But what if we weren't actually praying to God? What if we were actually praying with him? And I honestly believe it's the difference. And I believe the Lord wants me to do this because when I read the scriptures, now I got this little book and it's just scriptures telling you on, uh, based on different things. They're like prayers, but they're all scriptures. And I was thinking, man, it's the most beautiful thing because God said that my word won't return void, but it will accomplish that for which I sent it to do. And what if we were actually praying God's will into the earth because we're actually praying his word? And you say, well, that's vain repetition. No, the word is never vain or repetitious. This is what I want to do. I just want to show you an example of what praying the scriptures actually look like. Because when I find something and I'm reading, I mean, there's been times I've recorded them on my phone, like half an hour of different verses, and I recorded them, and I would just listen to them back just to get them in my heart, in my own voice. Uh, maybe you might want to use somebody else's voice because I'm like, Lord, why do I sound so slow on this recording? <laughs> I'm just joking. But God is faithful. But listen, so I'll use the example of Psalms 112. He says, I praise the Lord. Great blessings belong to me because I honor and reverence the Lord. I am happy to do what he commands. My descendants will be given power on earth because we are righteous. We will be greatly blessed. Our family will be very wealthy and my family's goodness will continue forever. A light will rise in the darkness for me because I've been made good. I am merciful, kind, and fair. It is good for me to be kind and generous because I am. I'm fair in business. I'm a person who will never fail. I will never be afraid of bad news. I am confident because I trust in you, Lord. I remain confident and without fear. I will defeat every one of my enemies. I freely give to the poor. My goodness will continue forever. It's not only a declaration. It was something that was written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that was given to us for a specific reason. And that reason is, is so that we can put these words in our mouth and proclaim them. Amen. Because even when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray, he said, pray like this. He said, our Father who art in heaven, your will be done <laughs> on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, everything he just prayed is based upon a scripture. You can find it in the scripture. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wasn't that always the original blueprint for humanity? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I love that. Give us this day our daily bread. What did God do with the children of Israel? He gave them daily bread. Amen. Lead us not into temptation. He actually says that, Behold, I am the Lord. Fear not. 
I am your redeemer. I watch over Israel. I love it. I love it. And not just these. Yes, we are meant to pray from our spirits. I don't know about you, but I don't meditate out my prayers unless it's this, unless it's scripture. You don't have five prayers written out that you're going to pray before God. Where would you get them from? From your mind? No, they come from your spirit. They're not premeditated. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they're spirit and life. These are the same kind of words that came from the same spirit that's inside of you, that was written for you, to you, and literally wants to be spoken through you. Amen. Back to God. Because his word won't return unto him void. So we're not praying to God, we're actually praying with him. We find something based in scripture, we base our prayer upon that scripture that says that we can have it. And if the devil, anyone comes and tries to tell you you can't have it, well, this is what the word says. So you're not arguing with me, you're actually arguing with God. And if you don't believe it, that's fine. But I won't let your unbelief affect my belief. Because I know him. He's only good. Amen. So Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you really do just paint a picture of how much you love us, how much we're accepted, how much we're loved, that we've been made righteous through the blood of your own son, Father, and that his work really was enough. And today, I just pray that every one of us will leave this place with such a peace and such a rest, with assurance that we're loved and accepted, that you would give us a vision for the future that comes from your spirit, and that we would see ourselves there now, despite what's around us. I thank you for this, Father, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.